You're listening to the Stratfor Essential Geopolitics podcast from RAIN. I'm Emily Donahue. Many Western nations, including the United States, have reported low birth rates for years. That is the case in Turkey as well, which recorded a substantial decline in births in 2020. Children now make up an all-time low of about 27% of the population. What does that mean for the growth model of an emerging country like Turkey? Ryan Boll, Stratfor Middle East and North Africa analyst at Rain, is here to tell us. Hello, Ryan. Hi, Emily. Thanks for having me. What is driving this drop in births? Well, last year was a particularly bad year for the birth rate of Turkey because of the pandemic. And this wasn't unique to Turkey. A lot of people delayed having children and, and making big decisions last year with the uncertainty uh, up in the air from COVID-19. But that being said, this has also been a long-standing trend with Turkey where fertility rates have been steadily declining. And they've been declining to the point where they're starting to get close to some of the more advanced European countries uh, where people are simply not having enough children. And Turkey has already been below its replacement level that it needs to be at so that its population keeps naturally growing for a few years now. And and that's a product of women getting better options in the economy, uh, better education, uh, better contraceptive access, just a changing Turkish society that has de-emphasized big families and been emphasizing having one or two children. Uh, How might we see Turkey react to this change in its birth rate, especially economically? Well, uh, there is a a political angle to take to begin with uh, because the Turkish growth model really does look in the direction of ever expansion, uh, uh, growth in the traditional sense of building more and more and more. And to do that, you definitely need to have an expanding population in in some capacity. But this is going to raise some alarm bells amongst the Turkish government. And they've been trying to cajole the population to become, uh, to start holding larger, or start having larger families for some years now. And they've been trying to encourage people to have uh, up to three children. President Erdogan famously, whenever he is at a wedding, his speech often references uh, the hope that the people getting married have up to three children uh, because they know that without an expanding population, the traditional Turkish growth model has a wall. And one of the problems that Turkey is now facing is that as soon as 2030 and possibly even earlier now because of the effects of the pandemic, uh, their dependency ratio of the population, that is the amount of people that aren't working because they're either retired or they're still children, is going to be over 50%. And when that happens, it starts to undercut Turkey's competitiveness. It makes it more expensive for health care. It makes it more, it makes its labor market more difficult to find workers. And it can make it so that the growth model is challenged by that shrinking percentage of the population that's actually working. And unless you step in with alternative labor models like automation, that becomes a bigger and bigger millstone around the economy's neck. What does this mean for the rest of the world? Well, many countries are struggling with a declining or or flatlining fertility rate, including places like the United States. Now, many other countries try to make up for that through immigration. Turkey is not a place that is particularly open to immigration 
as a way to solve some of its population problems. And so many countries decide that they will simply import people from other countries. And, and that's a one solution, is that they start to do a little bit of demographic engineering, which can inject uh, different levels of uncertainty into the political systems. It, it can cause nativists to rise to power, to try to push out foreign influence. It can create new nationalisms that are a backlash to that change. In many cases, what a fertility rate decline has meant is that governments need to start finding ways to encourage family growth. And they take this approach through one of two measures. They either try to be coercive, where they sort of force people to have uh, larger families. Places like China seem to be drifting in that direction towards using coercive methods. Others try to do uh, greater incentive models. Places like Sweden have done that by including larger social safety nets where it's easier to have children, it's more, uh, it's more affordable. But in all cases, the real challenge is that in spite of coercion or, or a little bit of incentives, they really haven't been able to bring about a voluntary expansion of families back to what we would have seen in the, in the 70s or the 60s. The problem that they're finding now as these countries start to hit this demographic wall is that once people get to a certain level of wealth, certain level of comfort, it's very hard to convince them to go through the, the difficult process of child rearing, which is you know, all time consuming as somebody with two little children myself can attest to, uh, it takes up a lot of your time and a lot of your energy. And the reality is, is that the, no amount of money in the world is necessarily enough to offset the very big physical limitations of having families. And until they find some way to change that factor, many of these countries are going to continue to struggle to find a way to bring their fertility rates up to even the replacement level that they need to see. Well, how might that affect global geopolitics? Well, it will make it so that some of these grain countries will have restrictions or, or, or limits on their economic growth models, that they'll either have to pivot into automation or they'll have to find more creative ways to grow than what we've seen in the post-World War II environment. In other cases, it actually does create some limits to some of their hard power. Uh, younger people are the ones who make up military forces. So countries that are able to automate their hard power through drones and robots will still be able to, will still be able to deploy that power overseas, countries that don't pivot in that direction are going to be far more limited as their security and military forces start to have a pinch on recruits. Uh, there will also, of course, be a, a rise in some of this nationalism of, of as ethnic groups and cultural groups start to decline in uh, demographic share of a country or in absolute numbers, the fewer people that there are, for example, of Turkish ethnic origin, the more defensive uh, people might feel about their ethnic or cultural identity. And that might make more restrictions for immigration. It might cause them to try to centralize cultural power onto the government and give the government greater powers to defend their traditions as they seem to be dying out. And then there's also what we've just experienced with 2020, where as we have an older and older population globally, diseases like COVID-19, which disproportionately affected the elderly, may have a greater impact on the demographics of the world, the grayer that we become. And it will definitely fall onto countries like Turkey that are more of emerging markets that, that don't have the deep pockets of, of advanced countries like the US or, or Europe. It will definitely be a place where they're greatly affected by probable future pandemics as their great populations are exposed to very virulent diseases and their country's economic models can only give them so much uh, healthcare resources to combat that. Ryan Bowl is a Stratfor Middle East and North Africa analyst at Rain. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Emily. 
Stay up to date on the latest geopolitical events and analysis of Turkey and the region with Stratfor Worldview. Sign up for our free newsletter today, worldview.stratfor.com. That's worldview.stratfor.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.